God's promises to his children are so much bigger than a saint can imagine. The other day I spoke with a man of God and mentioned that in eternity, just the other side of this paper, Jesus said we will be equal to the angels. He asked where in the scriptures that passage could be found. How beautiful. Not only equal to the angels, but it also appears we are God's light sources, even fashioned after the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ, who outshines the sun. Revelation twenty-two sixteen. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. When we see him, we shall be like him. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Luke chapter 20, 34 through 36. And Jesus answering said unto them, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall uh, be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die any more, for they are equal unto the angels and the children of God being the children of the resurrection. Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine and 30, Jesus answered and said unto them, You do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God, for in their resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Now consider it's called the inheritance of the saints in light in Colossians 1 verse 12. John chapter 17 verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. The prophet Isaiah reports the Son is ashamed in his presence. Matthew thirteen forty-one through 43, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Daniel 12:3 And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever The childlike faith of the believer shouts It's true These promises are to the born again only Have you been born again actually born a second time this time of the spirit of God John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Will today be your day of salvation? Today you will become a son or daughter of God. Today all your sin and shame will be washed away. Today all of Satan's bondages will be broken, no matter how strong and binding they appear. Today you will begin to tread upon the highway of the soul set free. It will begin in just moments if with your heart you will follow me in this simple prompt. Will today be your day to participate in the greatest miracle that can happen to man? Follow my instructions right now. Here we go. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. 
Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 2, 22 through 24, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. God said, John chapter 17, verse 11, and then 21 through 23. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. God said, Ephesians five twenty-two through 23, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Man said, Evolution has taught us that man is the top of the animal chain, and it is the nature of the male animal, for example, to mate with all the females who will have him. Everybody knows that. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 990, that will once again, by third-party attestation, confirm the marvelous inerrancy of God's beautiful book. All of these power-packed features are archived here on this site in text and streaming audio for the edification of the blood-bought and is bait for the fishers of men. Every Thursday eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. When a student of the Scriptures sees a strange grouping of words in the Word of God, that believer knows to stop, look, and listen. Genesis 2.24 is just one of these marvelous verses. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. A man shall cleave to his wife. Oxford English Dictionary defines cleave in this context as to stick fast or adhere 
as by a glutinous surface. Glued together is what cleave means. The passage quoted above goes on to say, and they shall be one flesh. Quite a strange grouping of words, wouldn't you say? Today's science inadvertently affirms the absolute biological accuracy of this ancient declaration and insight that only the Creator Himself could know. The following paragraphs are from the God Said, Man Said feature One Flesh. Getting pregnant is quite a problem for many couples, and solving that problem has become a multi-billion dollar industry. Reproductive immunologist Carolyn Coulomb from the Scher Institute for Reproductive Medicine in Chicago claims that as many as 80% of unexplained pregnancy losses may be a result of the mother-to-be's immune system. According to Coulomb, the success of a pregnancy hinges upon whether or not the baby is accepted by the mother's immune system. This following excerpt is from the Health and Medicine section of the October 21, 2002 issue of U.S. News & World Report written by Douglas Fox. The title is, Why Sex, Really? Why would a mother's baby, excuse me, why would a mother's body attack her own fetus? For starters, it's only partly hers. Half of the fetus genes are foreign material coming from the father. That strangeness can prompt the mother's immune system to treat the fetus like an invading bacterium. Her ensuing counterattack contributes to a whole spectrum of disorders, according to Kelton Tremelin, a researcher at the University of Adeline in Australia. The problems include infertility, a recurrent miscarriage, low birth rate, a weight, excuse me, and preeclampsia, a complication where the mother's blood pressure rises to life-threatening levels. The notion of an immune reaction is also prompting revolutionary ideas about the evolution of human sexuality, frequent coupling between partners requiring long-term relationships, may inoculate mothers to accept foreign genes ensuring complete pregnancies and the survival of the human species, end of quote. Disregard the erroneous, erroneous allusion to the evolution of human sexuality, but take special note of the statement. Frequent coupling between partners requiring long-term relationships may inoculate mothers to accept foreign genes ensuring complete pregnancies and the survival of the human species. This one-mate long-term relationship is emphasized over and over again in the feature article. Again, the article reports. Under normal circumstances, the mother's immune system wouldn't tolerate a foreign uh, body setting up shop inside her, but miraculously in pregnancy it does. According to the emerging theory, this is partly because before pregnancy occurs, repeated exposure to the father's semen allows her immune system to learn to recognize his foreign genes. There are millions of sperm cells, explains Gustav Decker, a high-risk pregnancy specialist at the University of Adeline, but only one will fertilize the egg. The purpose of the other sperm is to give the message to the mother's immune system that some foreign genes mean no harm. This diplomatic overture occurs with each act of intercourse. For many hours after steamy entanglement gives way to dreamy drowsiness, the encounter continues to play out on a microscopic scale. White blood cells from the woman's immune system scour her cervix for the man's foreign proteins, even entire sperm cells, 
back to her lip nodes where her immune system gradually learns to recognize and tolerate them. We think that's really a key to the whole immunological process, says Tremelin, end of quote. Dealing with the concept of the reproductive process and the idea of one long-term sexual partner, Tremlin also said, Until recently, I don't think we had any idea that ongoing sexual contact had any biological advantages, end of quote. Regular long-term exposure to the husband's semen appears to be an important key to a successful pregnancy and more. The man and the women are becoming one flesh. Again from U.S. News and World Report. Repeated contact with the father's semen may increase the mother's chance of having an uneventful pregnancy. One study of 1,011 couples found that the women had a 5% chance of developing preeclampsia during pregnancy if she had intercourse with the father for at least 12 months previously. That skyrocketed to 40% if the couple had intercourse for only four months or less before conceiving. Another study found that consistently using condoms, which prevent contact with the man's semen, increases the chance of preeclampsia. Finally, a study of 134 women revealed an increased risk of preeclampsia during their first pregnancy with a new partner if they previously had children with someone else, as though building up immune tolerance to a specific partner really does require time. End of quote. Reports claim that exposure to the husband's semen had also been linked to happier moods for the wife. On this subject, expect much more to come from future research. Unfortunately, man's input has proven in many ways damaging to the reproductive process. Things such as condoms, diaphragms, and birth control all have their own drawbacks. Excuse me. Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Jesus said, Matthew nineteen four through 6, And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh? Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Science has begun to understand the physical mechanism by which this oneness comes to pass, a genetic union between man and woman, and then offspring, a child that is part of half of each. This oneness is compared to the oneness of Christ and the church. End of quote. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, The Power of Sex and One Flesh. Charles Darwin mused that as science and its discoveries increased, it would become obvious to all that the God of the Bible was fiction, a social construct of man, but the results have been to the contrary consistently. The more science discovers, the more it shouts, God is, to those who have an ear to hear. Today's most sophisticated science certifies the supernatural qualities of God's Bible on a daily basis. Scientists should know that their latest discoveries have been recorded in the Word of God thousands and thousands of years prior to their eureka moment. This is the proof they claim they're looking for, but somehow it escapes most. To those who reject this reality, Revelation 22.11 reads, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, 
let him be holy still. Feature writer for the AFA Journal, Ed Battagliano, published an article in the October 2010 issue titled, Bonded in the Brain, New Science Confirms Biblical View of Sex. Several excerpts follow. This is laid out in fascinating detail in Hooked, New Science on How Casual Sex is Affecting Our Children, written by Joe S. McElhenney, Jr., and Frieda McKissick-Bush. Both are obstetrician-gynecologists who have served on the Presidential Advisory Council on HIV-AIDS. End of quote. The article continues to discuss science's new discoveries concerning specific neurochemicals that directly affect sexual urges such as dopamine, oxytocin, and vasopressin. The feature continues. Another neurochemical is oxytocin. A woman's brain is flooded with oxytocin during labor, childbirth, and and breastfeeding, which creates a bond between the mother and infant. But this neurochemical is also released during romantic moments between a woman and a man. When two people touch each other in a warm, meaningful, and intimate way, oxytocin is released into the woman's brain, said McElhaney and Bush. The oxytocin then does two things. Increases a woman's desire for more touch and causes bonding of the woman to the man she has been spending time in physical contact with. This desire for more touch and the bonding that develops between a man and a woman often lead to the most intimate of physical contact, sexual intercourse. Sex results in even greater amounts of oxytocin flooding the woman's brain, causing her to desire the same kind of contact again and again with this man she has bonded to, producing even stronger bonding. The male counterpart to oxytocin is called vasopressin, which, according to McElhaney and Bush, seems to have two primary functions related to relationships, bonding of the man to his mate and attachment to his offspring. It is easy to see that God has provided neurochemical help to married couples in order to make the marital bond strong and thus provide a secure and stable environment for the raising of children. The dopamine rush during sex keeps a husband and wife coming back for more, helping to cement the relationship. And oxytocin and vasopressin make the bond even deeper. No doubt this is part of the meaning behind God's statement in Genesis regarding marriage, that the man and woman shall become one flesh. The bonding power of sex, insisted McElhaney and Bush, is real and almost like the adhesive effect of glue. However, that glue is intended for sex within marriage. Engaging in sex outside the parameters established by God brings pain and destruction. End of quote. According to McElhaney and Bush, this bonding power of sex is real and almost like the adhesive effect of glue. End of quotes. Note the terms in the research you just read. Long-term relationship, inoculate mother, miraculously, genetic union, bonded in the brain, bonded between mother and infant, bonding of woman to man, bonding of man to his mate and his offspring, a marital bond strong, cement the relationship, bonding power of sex, like the adhesive effect of glue. 6,000 plus years ago, God's word says cleave and one flesh, and today's science says, yes, it actually happens just like the Bible says. But Ephesians speaks of a mystery 
with the key to its understanding on display in the marriage union described by God in Ephesians 5:31 and 32. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Things of this earth are patterned after the heavenly. For example, in the beginning, God makes man in his own image and likeness, and God is a spirit. Hebrews 8.5 speaks of the earthly priesthood of the Levitical order and says it was an example and shadow of heavenly things where Christ, our eternal priest and king, sits on the right hand of God, interceding on the behalf of those who call upon his name. The marriage union of man and woman is compared to the marriage union between Christ and the church. If the blood-bought are married to Christ, as Romans 7, 4 declares, and we are, then we are married to words. Revelation 19, 30 speak, 13 excuse me, speaks of Jesus Christ and says of him, and his name is called the Word of God. Don't be surprised, for all things are most literally made of words. Jesus Christ, by the word of God, spoke all things into existence with God's words. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Consider a beautiful building. It all began with the architect's blueprints, a compilation of words, lines of dimension, and word pictures. The building materials are then gathered together, the raw materials of which were spoken into existence by God's Christ. That's the Word of God. The building is then built by men whose DNA is made up of four-letter alphabet that writes the body's building instructions in words, sentences, paragraphs, chapters, and volumes. Everything is made out of words. If we are married unto Christ, the Word of God, then our fidelity to His words must be closely guarded. 2 Corinthians 11.2 speaks of this matter. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. The Oxford English Dictionary defines chaste, pure, from unlawful sexual intercourse, continent, virtuous, celibate. Two marriages in the Holy Bible critically and eternally affect us. The first, which marked our physical beginning, was that of Adam and Eve, which was officiated by God. The last, which will also be officiated by the Father, is the marriage supper of the Lamb, where the born-again, the bride, are married unto Christ in the spiritual and eternal union. The believer is not only called the bride of Christ, but we are also called his body, as in one body. And remember, his name is the Word of God. We are married to words. By the repetitive interaction with God's living Word, the redeemed are sanctified, as in John seventeen seventeen. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. By the repetitive interaction with God's Word, we are cleansed, as in Ephesians five twenty five and 26, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. By the repetitive interaction with God's living word, we become one with the Father through the Son. John seventeen eleven, and then 21 through 23. 
And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Jesus Christ is the living word of God, and we become part of his body, and one with the Father and the Son through those words. We dare not add nor subtract. Oneness is wordness. We are made out of and married to words, God's word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The standards of all life are laid out between the covers of God's beautiful book, and these standards are fashioned after things in the heavenly. They are always immutable truths, and struggle as they may, God's detractors must bend the knee, red-faced and all. God's word is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will really last forever. God said, Genesis 2, 22 through 24, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. God said, John 17, verse 11, then 21 through 23. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. God said, Ephesians five twenty-two through 33, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man cleave, uh, leave excuse me, his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Man said, 
Evolution has taught us that man is the top of the animal chain, and it is the nature of the male animal, for example, to mate with all the females who will have him. Everybody knows that. Now you have the record.